The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. What, what the? Really? A mosquito in here now in the dead of winter? This is crazy. I just gotta get out. Crying out loud. All right, there, it's gone. Okay, let's get this thing rolling. Welcome to the program. Here's what we have in store for episode two. First of all, we're going to find out what the H-E double fly swatters, a mosquito, is doing alive and well here in winter. Something unique about our Kawartha climate. Is it a Dunsford thing where I live? Hmm. We chat with two members of a well-known local band with national notoriety. So why'd they change their name? Creative cooking on a budget, a strict budget, at a place called home. I get tips from an expert loony auctioneer. And by that, I mean he runs an excellent loony auction. And I'll read some listener comments about our very first episode. Some were praising, some were critical, and all of them are appreciated. But to the listener who, along with some very astute and constructive observations and suggestions, also encouraged us to work towards reaching a global audience, nah, we'll stick to striving for local. Because after all, this is the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. I'm your host, Denny Grignell, and uh, hey, give this a listen. That is a new song called Softly by a new Lindsay-based band called Heaps, comprised of Warren Frank, Luke Schaff, Freddie Kwan, and Tanner Perret. Now, if those names sound familiar, it's because they should. Their erstwhile name is, well, was uh, The Kents. One of my favorite bands whom I've seen perform everywhere from the Academy Theater to Settlers Village and Bob Cajun. And I heard them on the lead into a game on Hockey Night in Canada. Now, that's the only time you'll hear me use their former name in this episode. Same members, new name, new band direction, new outlook. I sat down with drummer Tanner and lead singer Warren at Boiling Over in Lindsay on Kent Street. Warren started by telling me what it's like to no longer be thought of as those young upstart rookie musicians anymore. I think it's a welcome change. Um, It was really exciting to be that new band and to be that the young up-and-comers, but now I feel like in this era, there's maybe a bit more peace around doing what we want to do um, in a way that people are still receptive and, and eager to hear what we have to say, but maybe there's just less of a a buzz that comes with that context. What do you mean the peace, though? Wanna, wanna, you mentioned it. What, what do you mean by the peace? Are you saying that it was a little tumultuous? or Sure. I think, you know, if you live in a small town, even though everyone might have, you know, the best intentions of showering you with well wishes and whatnot inside your own head I think it can be uh, a lot to handle when you first start an endeavor in that way is that a polite way of saying that it it could go to your head a little bit or because you've always struck me as pretty humble well yeah I try Uh, I think we all try but not so much that it goes to your head as maybe it can pander to anxious thoughts at times well I sort of came into this as they were starting to establish themselves more as a band and 
had like already done professional recordings and we were starting to do music videos. So I wasn't par part of a lot of that early on, like young new band hometown support, but we still saw it for about a year after. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how much I can speak on that. Also, I should say, when we all do interviews, I do the least talking. Well, just we're gonna change so, just that. so you know. Warren, I yeah. want to talk about uh, the public post that you, uh, you placed on Facebook recently in which you talked about the past year. And Yeah, I spoke a lot about just the change that came, the change of, as we changed our name from the Kent's and, and I'm going to talk about that. Okay, we're going to get to that, okay. but go ahead. But I want to talk about the, the well, last year. Yeah, sure. The last year, it was almost a step away from the two years prior when we released our first EP and followed it up with a second shortly after. It was a go. It was constant. You know, we were constantly working and also constantly discovering and learning. We had no way to contextualize what we were experiencing. And it was a wonderful thing. But then to get this year where we recorded and in essence had to wait a year to put things out, for things to be finished, to start the process of this new cycle, all of a sudden you get a new frame for the way you see the, the things that you were doing. You have that clarity that comes from time. Right? The learning. Exactly, yeah. I think the, the biggest thing for me that I learned in the past year of just sort of waiting and playing maybe five shows is that like it's it's a lot of work like this is our first time sort of getting all this done ourselves and doing every aspect of it so I've been you know booking shows and I didn't realize how hard it was to book a tour across Canada mm -hmm. and I think it was just a huge like learning process for us all of, you know reaching out to team members and reaching out to people that we want to play our song like it's a lot but I think, I think it's been great and yeah, it's just been a really great creative process for us, just sort of spending some time on our own and getting stuff done. Was it ever exhausting were you to the point where you thought we really need to take a break from all of this, from the music? I, I wouldn't say exhausting to any point of like taking a break on anything. Um, we, for the past four years, the four of us have seen each other twice a week, every week pretty much. At most, we've went like two weeks without seeing each other. We still love each other. <laughs> I could say I got pretty frustrated booking some shows, like trying to book some shows to a point where we're not going out west right now because it just it wasn't working, and I was get, I was getting frustrated, but not any at any at any point to a point of wanting to take a break. Mm -hmm. How do you get all four people? And given all those changes that you just talked about, how do you? How do you ensure that you're all pulling on the same creative rope together at the same time? It's a lot of compromise, I think. More it's, so than when you first started? We're at, I think we're better at it now than we used to be. How come? Because we've, we've grown in this role as a unit, and you go through this process of, you know, I mean, like, it's, it's hard. It's hard for a band to stay together. Older bands have always told us the best thing you can do is stay together. Um, and I, I think that's totally true. You go through all these processes and arguments and conversations to figure everything out. I think what's held us together is the ability to, you know, own up to when we push each other too far, to apologize, um, and just to have candid conversations as a unit, which a lot of people can't seem to do. Mm -hmm. um, Why is that? Why is it a lot of bands can't do it and you can? I don't know. Uh, maybe because we started out as just buddies in high school. <laughs> yeah, like we just started out as pals. We're n nobody was like, I really want to get famous. You know, like it was just like, 
let's hang out, play some music, and it developed, but at the core of it, you know, is just four really close friends. That was part one of my conversation with Warren Frank and Tanner Paré, members of the new but still familiar Lindsay-based rock band Heaps, part two in a future episode. You're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes, brought to you by Ward's Lawyers here in Lindsay, your complete legal team. Find out more at wardlegal.ca. We hope you'll share this and other episodes with your friends, and we encourage you to share your thoughts on episode one via social media and on our website, which is what Michelle did. I am glad I discovered this podcast. It was informative and a nice little window into the local community. And this from Mark. Really loved episode one. Great job bringing out the small details and the personalities behind the stories of our city. I hope you will get out of town for one of your next episodes. Lots of interesting stories to be told by our farmers, cottagers, hunters, and anglers. Joan wrote, great job with the music and sound effects. She continues with, but the content disappointed me. You advertise your podcast as telling stories about Kawartha Lakes, but what I heard was a promotion for the usual leftist political favorites. I'd continue to listen if I heard stories that represent our community's diversity. Joan then goes on to offer a few great suggestions for future episodes. Go to the Advocate Facebook page to read her full comments, which we always welcome from listeners. My name is Deja Brathwaite from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Thanks for going to your computer machine to check us out, which you can do via iTunes and Spotify and at the Advocate website. Now, have you ever had this happen? You see something and you have to do a double take to be sure you're actually seeing what you're seeing or maybe actually hearing what you think you're hearing. Well, that happened to me very recently. I, I remember it clearly. It was snowing outside and, and I was sitting by the fire in my favorite chair, just trying to stay warm. Uh, my son, I'm just on the final pages of Pablo Neruda's big book of poetry. I is it important? Important? Well, peculiar, perchance. It appears there's a mosquito alive and thriving in our bathroom. <laughs> a proboscis-equipped insect <laughs> at this time of year? I highly doubt that. <laughs> Okay, okay, maybe that's not exactly how it happened. But there was a mosquito in our bathroom very recently. That much is accurate, and I had to know why. Well, Katrina Van Osh-Saxon is a professor of urban forestry and the coordinator of Fleming College's Arboriculture Program. She lives in Kobe. But I've reached her at her office at the Frost Campus. So, Katrina, should I feel self-conscious here? Am I some kind of winter weather mosquito magnet? <laughs> I feel like we all, we've all, mo most people have experienced the, uh, you know, mosquitoes in the depths of winter. Okay, so I don't have to feel um, uh, embarrassed that my house somehow is, is a hotbed. No, no, you are not alone. I mean, I'm killing mosquitoes in the shower all the time in the middle of winter. Okay, why the bathroom? Because that's where we found ours as well. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the moist environment. Uh, and so mosquitoes, their developmental cycle, half of their development is uh, in the water. Oftentimes you do find mosquitoes in bathrooms. Um, so there is some correlation between um, the, the moisture that maybe um, it's probably an overwintering female because some of our females mate in the fall. What is it, I have to ask you, what is an overwintering female? 
That's a good, it's a good question. Um, so it's the stage over the overwintering stage of any insect is the stage at which they spend the winter. So it can be different, it's different for different insects. It can be either as an egg, as a larva, uh-huh. as a pupa, or as an adult um, insect. And that's actually, um, I would say, the most rare. Most insects spend their, or overwinter as either an egg or a, an, or a larva, um, but there are some insects that overwinter as adults. They can produce their own kind of antifreeze in their system, which allows them to kind of slow down and essentially hibernate. So this is a mosquito that really uh, was in my home, slowing down as winter started. That's and right. then ultimately, with more humidity in my bathroom, just went, oh, okay, I guess I can come back to life then. That's right. So what's interesting is, is that especially, you know, in Ontario and in Canada, we get we have gotten really cold winters, right? So that cues the the insect to enter whatever stage in their life cycle that, you know, whatever stage in the life cycle it in, it cues them to kind of slow down um, and start to become uh, dormant or hibernate. So the lower threshold, what is what we call the developmental threshold for insects, is usually somewhere between 0 and 10 degrees. It can be as low as 4 degrees. And so when the temperature rises above whichever lower threshold it is for that specific species, then they start to become active. That's the trigger for insects. They're cold-blooded. Um, what happens is these insects, especially when we get these warm spells, I was looking at the Environment Canada website just to give you an idea of some of the warmer days that we had in January. And on January 11th, and this is from Peterborough, we had a day where it was 12 degrees, right? So when, when those temperatures rise above and are extremely warm, it signals a lot of these insects to say, hey, so that's why people were seeing moths flying around. They are not flying fast. That was actually an observation I had because it sounds like the, it, we're, the, the, our, let's face it, our changing weather patterns are confusing Absolutely. insects. But this one here did appear sluggish or was that my imagination? Nope, nope. They definitely appear sluggish. So um, when, when all of the insects start to kind of come out of that slow mode in the winter or their overwintering stage it tends to be very slow right they're they're trying to get warm they've been they've been stimulated by the warmer temperatures but to really become productive and active that the the temperatures need to warm up significantly is this a beacon of what our spring might be like or is it an anomaly Ah, I if I had a crystal ball, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I know that earlier in the year, it, when um, uh, when the meteorologists were forecasting this winter, I remember them saying that it was going to be a different winter, uh, and so we have been experiencing that. These kinds of uh, peaks and valleys are. Uh, confusing, I think, um, and really do interrupt um, the natural cycles. And so it, I guess I, it remains to be seen what kind of impact this is going to have. So there are greater implications that we have to be thinking about. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, I sure. guess it is easy to be unsympathetic to a mosquito in the middle of, uh, in the middle of winter, but, but really this, this could be a harbinger of, of what we have to prepare ourselves for. You're right. Yep. You're right. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> You're listening to our second episode of The Advocate Podcast. What a vibrant community we have here in Kawartha Lakes with so much stuff happening, which is why we call this next segment... Stuff Happening in Kawartha Lakes. Wednesday, March 4, line dancing for men and women over 50. That takes place at the Armories in Lindsay. Friday, March 6, trivia night at the Downeyville Hall. Now, you may also want to mark this date down, April 6th. 
That's when they host their annual fish fry. I've been there and it's wonderful. Saturday in the evening, March 7, learn all about owls at Ken Reed Conservation Area's Owl Prowl. And also Saturday, March 7, a spaghetti dinner at Cambridge Street United Church. It's a fundraiser for its Voices of Victory Youth Choir. That includes a loony auction, which full disclosure, I have been recruited to conduct, which is fairly new territory for me. Wish I uh, was as good as this guy. 48. That is Doug Pearson, a loony auctioneer like none other I've seen. I was kind of in awe when I caught him in action at a community hall supper a few weeks ago. So I decided to ring him up at his home near Kinmount to see if he would, you know, impart some of his wisdom to me. For me, it's humor. Really? You got to make sure everybody's enjoying themselves because it can, if it's boring, you can watch them walk out the door after a few items. I've been doing this oh, well over 20 years. I've tried to be respectful for everybody, so that's part of it. Awesome. I can read a crowd pretty good now. And what advice would you offer someone who's a, a newbie, a neophyte to this, and how to read the audience? The best thing is to let them know that you are. If there's a lot of talking going on, you're losing the crowd, right? So watch their faces and watch. So just watch, yeah. yeah, and watch. If it is noisy, that's fine. Like As long as they pay attention when I'm doing it and the noise level's down, they want to talk to who they're with. Or, so you've got to let that happen. Don't make them all pay attention to you all the time. Oh, that's good advice. Just kind of let yeah. that let them get that out of the way before they you steer it to yeah. yourself. Yeah, because Downeyville is the best one. Because, and I, I say this to them because it's an Irish village. They have a bar there. They're enjoying themselves. And the noise level is really high. As long as they bring it down to when I'm, uh, I'm doing the actual auction, then it's fine. Just have them quiet while you're counting. Nice to have somebody sitting at the front and they keep track of that number so you don't have to go looking around again. It sounds like the most important rule is just make sure you're still having fun so that they can feed off of that. That's right, yeah. Yeah, you've got to do that. Expert loony auctioneer Doug Pearson of Kinmount there. And the really cool and selfless part about Doug when I asked him what his going rate is. Other than a gift certificate when they buy me one, that's it. I don't charge a thing. That's my contribution to life. One of them is is being able to help uh, organizations. This is episode two of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Hey, if you need a lawyer, you should consider our show's official sponsor, Wards, Lawyers, and Lindsay. Find out more about them at wardlegal.ca. All right, right now I could uh, just use some coriander and cheese grater. I just got to turn down the cocovin here. Sorry, just multitasking in my kitchen. You know, if I were a gourmet chef, and I'm not saying I'm not, well, actually, I am. Uh, Truth be told, lunch was a microwaved hot dog. And I don't even know what coriander is, which is why I have so much respect for gourmet chefs. But I think I have as much... Maybe more respect for chefs like Glenda Morris. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with chef. Because the retired teacher has to be more creative than the Jamie Olivers and Julia Childs out there. Creating meals for up to 30 people using whatever the budget can handle that week or whatever donations came in. 
This is the kitchen at Lindsay's homeless shelter, a place called home. It's functional, but sparse. Simple stove, dishwasher, refrigerator, not the huge, shiny industrial kind. Glenda jokes about using a frying pan for a pot lid. She knows what coriander is, but it's doubtful it's in the cupboards, which are really just open shelves. But once a week, Glenda somehow makes it all work. So again, here's the adaptability. Sometimes it's a uh, soup made with uh, only mushroom bouillon cubes. There aren't going to be any mushrooms in the rest of the soup, but I have to find something that would be compatible with the flavor of mushrooms. And these are individual packets of chicken noodle soup, which are really tempting to put in my chicken noodle soup because they'll be flavorful and, you know, they've already worked out, worked out the formula for the flavor. But I really hesitate to use anything like that that could be used by somebody for outreach. So an outreach, the outreach... Um, so you're not thinking of just clients. this menu, you're thinking ahead for yes, somebody else. And that's right, because every once in a while staff will come in and say, okay, what have we got to give to somebody who's, you know, just needs some food <laughs> that they can prepare for themselves in a hurry. Well, these cup of soup things, right, they're golden for somebody who's just living in a room. I'll make generous use of the uh, cream of mushroom and uh, and Campbell's tomato soup. That's one of my secret ingredients if I'm ever making um, chili con carne because everybody's familiar with the flavor of Lipton, uh, sorry, uh, Campbell's tomato soup, right? So that's that's the way chili con carne should have at least some of that flavor in it. So you can make a soup with just about anything you have available. Or you, can you can't screw it up, things. can you? Not too badly, but we don't want to put too many chickpeas in an individual pot of soup. That does not go over well. I guess one thing that's different is that it's generally one person preparing the whole deal. Oh my, you don't okay. have a sous chef and a, a a master chef and somebody on the grill and 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 actually as a volunteer I am the exception because I'm I'm in the position of doing only food prep. The regular staff who are here do food prep as just part of everything else they have to do. So they're registering new residents. They're helping clients with, with the real business of a homeless shelter. And then while they're at it, they're also preparing three meals a day and a snack. Well, let's get back to you. What's this like for you to come in here and look at these shelves and go, okay, my menu is going to be determined by what we have. For me, it's not bad, but I know it's not good for everybody because I just am the kind of cook even at home home and as I was growing up who was used to making do with what happened to be available and always wanting to make the maximum use of whatever happened to be available. What is the biggest characteristic a person needs to do this given yeah. you know the clientele given the limitations yeah. and flexibility and a, and a willingness to adapt. Uh, well if I look at the shelves here you talked yeah. about tomatoes being a real yes. staple. That's what, right. What so would happen if you came in there tomatoes? Tomatoes aren't here so then I'd start looking around and see do we have any tomato juice? Is there anything I can do with diluting ketchup? Do we have any tomato paste? Are there any frozen tomatoes in the freezer? Because when there's an abundance of fresh tomatoes in the summer staff will bundle up fresh tomatoes put them in the freezer. So I will look for anything that I can do. One time I, okay, one time, I, here's an example. I wanted to make a creamed thing, like a chicken a la king thing, and we didn't have enough milk. We, we buy milk, freeze it, and then thaw it as we are going to need it. So there wasn't any um, thawed milk for me to, to use. I didn't have as much as I needed. So, what did you so I looked here and I thought, do we have any Dream Whip? So I used Dream Whip diluted with... Uh, water and the evaporated milk and some real milk. I gotta ask, how did it work out? 
nobody complains here. Okay, people are very grateful for whatever I prepare. And it is a matter of being realistic. I, there's a limit to how far you can push. If you don't, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear completely, but you can, you could make a leather purse maybe out of a sow's ear to continue with the metaphor. So what's that like to come in here and, and work under pressure like that and on the fly use Cool Whip and transform it yeah. into milk? You know, sometimes it just depends on the mood I'm in. If I've got enough time and patience, it's okay. Um, but it could be, it would be, and I think it would be frustrating if I didn't already have the experience of people being so grateful. No, no kind of uh, reward that is um, more powerful than gratitude and, and to know that it's sincere. Yeah, it gets a bit we do have um, chili powder people really like uh, chili con carne is a good thing to make or sloppy joes or sometimes when I make soup uh, I can get away with giving people some good healthy uh, kidney beans and chickpeas with chili powder flavors that are familiar to people help uh, help them accept some other ingredients in the the dish that may not be familiar so I make the joke about chickpeas it's kind of a running gag here every once in a while somebody will put chickpeas on the grocery list just as a joke because there's never a shortage of chickpeas okay <laughs> just a very quick question about uh, how you feel about this whole the whole kitchen setup and your relationship with the food and oh, it's great it's warming like everyone's welcoming there's always lots of different stuff to choose from and what does it mean to you for your day to come in here and know that you know this is waiting for you um, it's really, I'm really grateful to have a place to come here for it and continue your day because sometimes you wouldn't be able to have anything, right? Yeah. So. I, know she, I know she's between your shop, but how is she as she a chef? Yeah, she's great. Her food is amazing. <laughs> One day I was really gratified because I had taken a chance on a, a lasagna. So here's an example, um, making it vegetarian. Uh, Why did you have to make it vegetarian? Because I... Uh, we were short of meat. <laughs> Doesn't happen often, but I thought, let me let me just try this, uh, and they loved it. It was it was a fair bit of work because again, I needed to use a lot of milk this time because you know I was making it with a sort of bechamel kind of sauce. But anyway, um, the next day, a couple of people who had sampled it called across the street. Oh, there's the best lasagna in Lindsay. So. I do have a direct relationship with um, the people that I'm serving, and I, I see immediately whether they like it, and they had the opportunity to ask for seconds if they really, really like it. It is close. Or do you find yourself yeah. looking over the uh, over the counter just to no. see what the faces are? No, only if it's somebody that I already know. And honestly, there's been a progression. I mean, I've been here now what about four or five years, and when I first came here, I wasn't sure what to expect, and. Um, and I don't know if you want to include this in okay. here or not, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, because I'm a retired teacher, one of the things I was most afraid of was meeting up with a former student who was going through a really rough time. And I wasn't sure how I would feel about that. Has it happened? Uh, well, uh, actually, yes, it, it has happened. Um, fortunately, this was a case where this person was having an absolute meltdown. He wasn't actually a resident here. He just happened to swing by and because of the, the, the staff from Reach having to do um, But seeing, seeing the care and the attention that he was given in that situation actually then made me realize how grateful I am that we have the staff that we have at a place called home to help the people 
who need them because that gave me a different perspective on who needs help. Yes, they know me by name, and that's always nice. Um, my husband is getting used to the idea now that sometimes when we walk downtown, somebody will call out across the street, thanks for lunch on Thursday. I feel good and I feel like I have fed somebody something that they liked and it made their day a little bit better. If you have something good in your belly, you feel better. So I had the feeling I made somebody's day better because they liked what they had been served. A place called home welcomes donations of food and funds. Contact them through apch.ca. You can contact us through our website, lindsayadvocate.ca, or through our Facebook page. Theme music for the podcast, isn't it great, by the way? Written and performed by Gerald Van Haltren. The official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, is Ward's Lawyers. Check them out at wardlegal.ca. Tell your friends about us. My name is Denny Greenell. Talk to you again in about two weeks. Thank you.